Welcome to the NTD Leadership Podcast. This is a resource from and for those of us serving Jesus with the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God. I hope you're having a great post-Thanksgiving rebound, uh, perhaps bouncing around a little bit on a full belly of turkey and much pumpkin pie, or perhaps you were very disciplined, focused, and you did not do that. Uh, Whatever the case, I hope that you're having a good day, and I hope that you're enjoying the preparation of leading the people of God through Advent season, whatever that looks like for you in your context. Uh, This is such a wonderful time for all of us on a personal and a ministry level, so I hope you're able to find joy in both of those areas of life, even in a very busy time. We've got just a great show for you today, an interview with our district's assistant superintendent and missions director, Pastor Kermit Bell. And so we're going to be talking about one of the most important and challenging aspects of serving the local church, and that is helping your congregation see and contribute to God's work beyond your four walls, beyond your local context. So we're going to get right into that. But first, uh, as we do, I want to celebrate a North Texas district family win of the week. One of the things we want to do each of these weeks is take a moment to celebrate something the Lord is doing in and through some of our brothers and sisters, either here within the geographical bounds of the North Texas district or out in the mission field of the world where we might have sent some of our missionaries. And this one is a little personal to me. A couple of Sundays ago, I had the opportunity to minister at San Angelo First Assembly out in West Texas, but within the North Texas district because You know how we draw lines. But that church has been in the community for decades. And um, the Lord has really been doing something new there over the past couple of years. And so the specifics of the win is simply this incredible eight-week period this fall where San Angelo First Assembly saw 210 people give their hearts to Jesus over that time. Uh, They've baptized 53 of them recently, and they also saw several people filled with the Holy Spirit. And so as I was speaking there, and I'm looking out in that crowd, um, full disclosure here, as they say, uh, I was on staff there at that church for a number of years when I was just starting out in ministry. So grateful for the men and women who I shared life with during that time. So grateful for the men and women who are still at the church, and then just so many more who have been added to the kingdom. And so pastors Landon and Sarah Henry, Casey and Mindy Murphy, Heath and Ashley Miller, Sam and Brianna Reynolds, Angela with Children's, just your whole staff up there. We celebrate the Lord's work among you. We're so pleased with you, and we're praying that it continues. And Friends, if you're listening, if you have a win you'd like me to celebrate with you on the air here, if you want to cheer for someone else in the North Texas District family, if you want to talk good about them behind their back so that I can talk good about them to everybody right here, email me at podcast at northtexas.ag. That's podcast at northtexas, all spelled out. On to the content today. One of the things I'm very thankful for with my role in the NTD is just the men and women I get to serve. And so here is my interview with Pastor Kermit Bell. So one of the most important things a pastor can do for their church is to help develop a heart for missions in their people. I think it's also one of the easiest things not to do. Pastor Kermit Bell is with me here, and and Pastor Bell, you serve as our North Texas District Assistant Superintendent. Also, a major part of that portfolio is that you're our North Texas District Missions Director. So before we go into our specific questions about missions, why don't you give us sort of a synopsis of your responsibilities? And uh, because we are talking missions, maybe explain that side of your portfolio a little bit. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, first of all, Lynn. And, and I'm thrilled to be able to talk about something that I'm so passionate about, missions. 
But as you mentioned, my role includes more than missions. So as the assistant, first of all, I, I'm here to serve our superintendent in any way, in any capacity that he needs. And uh, let, let me just say our superintendent and our secretary treasurer are phenomenal men to work with. Good men. We're yes. having fun. We really are. So part of that role is on the EAC committee. We actually make decisions to keep the district moving along. We meet every week, sometimes multiple times a week, and uh, take care of a lot of administrative things. Explain that acronym there, EAC. Executive Action Committee. Okay, okay. Uh, I believe is what it uh, stands for. Um, some have said Executive Administration Committee. They both do things. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. So... Anyway, um, so that that's part of it. Pastoral care is part of my portfolio as well, mm-hmm. and that's a significant need in our district because of 1,800 ministers, obviously. That's right. Yeah. But as you mentioned, missions is a big part of it. Uh, we have 161 missionary family units, and I have the privilege of being pastor for them. So I don't know what percentage I would say. It, that's kind of difficult because I'm, I'm still relatively new at this. Sure. But uh, a large percentage of my portfolio has to do with missions, being director of missions. And so I'm asking you questions today that I, I recently just came out of. Uh, my whole ministry career has been missions on a level with, well, not on a level, has been campus missions with Chi Alpha. And though I've recently stepped out of that role, I don't think a missionary has any bigger, you know, cheerleader than me and and you in your capacity. So I'm excited about asking you some questions today that things I wanted to know at different points. Um, But first, let's frame this within your experience as a local pastor. Uh, Until recently, you were a senior pastor at Glad Tidings Church in Austin. That's correct. And so your church is one that's always been known for missions giving. Uh, you guys give so much, and you connect with so many missionaries, and I was on your missionary support role for about a good decade. Much younger guy. Yeah, that, I remember yeah. I showed you a photo. <laughs> I said, who is this uh, guy? Merely you, a child. You and Crystal, I think, Crystal, when you were just getting started to Duke, actually, I think right. you were headed to Duke. Yep. And I know you had an assignment before that, but yep. anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it was that was that was a crazy thing seeing that yeah. much less gray in my <laughs> hair and my beard. So, but talk about with y'all developing such a strong missions program. How did y'all develop within that church? Because accompanying a lot of money comes a lot of heart and emotion with it. Sure. How did you develop such heart and commitment in your church for supporting missionaries? Well, let me go back before I was senior pastor, actually, because that's really where it starts. I had the privilege of serving with Vic Schober, and he gave me the latitude to develop the missions program. Mm. And so I think that's really key because the senior pastor can't always be the one to develop it, although he has to have a heart that champions it. So when he began to give me the latitude to do that, I didn't take it all over. I just began to develop portions of it. We began to see a strengthening. And one of the first things we did actually was we took a team on a short-term mission trip. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a strong believer in that. And over the years, I think at one time we had estimated somewhere between 350 and 400 of our people had been on a short-term mission trip. Okay, okay. Well, you can imagine having that kind of uh, impact those people spread throughout the congregation would have over the years. That's right. That's right. So really, one of the things I think is that when you get people engaged in missions by going, and, and I know there's different schools of thoughts, like 
some people think, wouldn't it be better just to save the money that we're spending on the trip and sending it over there? And I would say in a short-term thinking, that might be true. But for a long-term investment, I have discovered it's by far a much better approach to get mm. people engaged by going because they'll never forget that. It'll, it'll impact them for the rest of their life. Right. You know, with engaging people and going short-term, uh, one of the foundational things within Chi Alpha, of course, is exposure to the mission field in those short-term things sometimes results in someone experiencing a call Absolutely. while they're interact. Did you ever see any of that out of your congregation? We did. And so as a matter of fact, a statistic that, uh, let me just share this right now of our assembly of God missionaries that are on the field, 85% of them went on a short term mission trip at some point in their life. Wow. Yes. So that really speaks to us of how significant it is. Now there were other things that we did to engage people, but really I would say if a church never takes a mission trip, they're really hamstring in their ability to generate more passion and more energy in missions because it does something, seeing it firsthand, working with the missionary firsthand. As a matter of fact, it was so important over the years, my wife Cindy and I made a decision that we would make sure each one of our children, we have five of them, each one had a chance to go with, with me or the two of us on a mission trip because we wanted them to encounter that. So with the repercussions of that, and one of them being giving, which one of them is a monthly support of, of a missionary or missionary family in their field of service. Uh, some churches, this is a, something that has shifted pretty dramatically over the past few years, I feel. Some churches are these days preferring to be deeper than wide in their Mm -hmm. missions giving. They Mm -hmm. they say, uh, we'd like to give big to a handful of missionaries and be able to commit ourselves on a deep level to helping them find, we're talking dollars and cents right Right, now, to help them on a deep level financially. Um, And then you see other churches who have a heart. I know a few pastors and their heart is, I would like to support every single missionary in the North Texas district. And so with that, of course, by necessity comes um, more pledges for fewer dollars, so maybe $50, $60 a month, or, of course, some variance and in-between. How should a church determine which of those approaches is best for them? Because I hesitate to say which of those approaches is best. I would never put you on the spot like that, but... Um, You can put put me on the spot. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll I'll throw that at you. What do you think of those two approaches, and how should a church determine what's best for them? I think when it comes to specific projects, it's great if a church goes deep. Hmm. But when it comes to a general missions vision, I think it's better to go broad. Hmm. And there are several reasons for that. Now, you know, if a church wants to go deep in monthly support, uh, you know, at one level, I praise God, the money's going and they're investing in the kingdom. Of course. But churches change, pastors change. Mission boards change, and the danger is is that if there's a significant amount of resources coming from just one or a few churches or even individuals, if that situation changes, it could be really have it could have a significant financial impact on a missionary. Mm. Whereas, if a missionary, I'm I'm speaking from a missionary standpoint, maybe in some ways, whereas sure. if a missionary has. 200 churches that are partnering with them as opposed to 20 churches, if there's a change in a church or in some of these churches, it doesn't have an immediate negative impact. 
yes. on their monthly resources that they have to operate on. Yes. So I, I think for the overall health of our missions program, in some ways I think a broader approach is better. That's more work for the missionaries. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's more individuals hearing the vision and they're getting exposed to a broader mission vision rather than just one field or one or a few few missionaries, a few fields. They're getting a broader vision. And so the missionaries are sharing that. The churches are getting a broader vision. And plus, I, I also think there's this benefit of it is that, you know, you get to celebrate more because mm-hmm. you, you have an investment in a greater, a greater region of the world, so to speak. Right, right. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, as, as a missionary in, you know, 14 years of, of support raising, uh, the last 10, much more so, um, I definitely was thank was thankful for both. Whenever you're you're raising funds and a church says we're coming alongside you at three hundred dollars, or certainly some uh, individuals you know outside of the church coming along, and you have those anchor donors that allows you to breathe on such a big level. But on the itinerating end, um, whenever you're having to contact so many churches, you really are thankful for the larger team that really is that family network of support. Speak to speak to us right now from your experience as a pastor and the perspective you have now as a missions director on the um, I've worked in a local church as well. And so I know what it's like for that phone to be ringing with more calls than you can respond to from itinerating missionaries. I know some pastors have said rightly so. I just feel like I feel like I get so many calls. There's no way I could help everybody who's who's calling. And so there's so there's that. And I've had the harrowing experience of being one of those missionaries, both in North Texas and in a new district when we were on the East Coast. And uh, you have your friends and families and you've gone through that process of raising funds. But at the end of the day, you are cold calling sometimes and you are praying, praying, praying. <laughs> Jesus, help me find favor with this man or going through referrals of pastors, you know. So dynamics are there's fewer weekly services than ever. It's never been harder for a missionary to get the chance to share to a congregation. In fact, I've mentioned this to you, but in training of missionaries now, and I don't necessarily think it's unique to just the assemblies, um, missionaries are encouraged, hey, do families and friends, because churches are giving to fewer missionaries than ever, and the service portion of connecting is so much more difficult. So in a sense, missionaries are being herded towards, hey, families and friends, don't bank too much on the local church. I don't know that we want that to be. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't. Uh, I think we have to resist the slide towards that. Now, having said that, with social media and uh, all of the online connections, listen, let's leverage that and let's get uh, every acquaintance and every friend and every family member that you can on board with your mission. And I think that's what makes it possible is how connected we are. That's fantastic. Right. But. It's the local church that really is the heart and soul of the great commission that we're trying to fulfill. Mm-hmm. It was given in the context of the local church. Right. And so I think it's important that we make sure we engage with local churches as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could just speak to pastors, I would say missionaries know that you can't support every call. So they're not offended if you say no. That's true. But they're human like everybody else. They have feelings like everyone else. Mm -hmm. I would encourage pastors, if you get an email 
respond to the email or have someone respond to the email. If you mm-hmm. get a call, take the call or call back. If you get a text, reply to the text. Mm-hmm. And though I never liked saying it, I became comfortable saying, hey, we cannot uh, pick up any more missionaries right now, but we're praying for you. And then if it was possible, we might send them a love offering, just a small love offering, mm-hmm. just to just to show, hey, you're a person, we believe in you, and even though we can't partner with you financially, we can pray for you. Because that's not just a saying. Missionaries get, they understand, they get it, that this is a spiritual battle, and they have to have prayer right. undergirding them as well. It's not that's just right. the money, it's the prayer which I, that would take me back to saying that's why you need to cast the vision f- far and wide and get broad support as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So um, I, you know, I would say to pastors, you know, take that call. And I would, I would say to missionaries, uh, don't take it personally when a pastor doesn't return a call. That's don't right. take it personally if they, if they say no. Um, you know, I, I've never had a missionary, if I, when I said no, we can't pick you up right now, be upset or be disrespectful at all. Here's what they say. You know, I get that. I appreciate you so much for returning my call or getting back in touch with me. That means so much to me. And it just validates who they are as a person and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And as, as a missionary making the calls and making those rounds, the, you said you've never had a missionary respond rudely. And I would say, praise the Lord. And if you're a listening missionary, may it ever be so (laughs) because no pastor likes saying no. That's right. There's, there's not one. That's right. No one says no gleefully to a kingdom endeavor. Right. And so uh, it's definitely the case for missionaries as well. And so um, tell us a story or two about some specific North Texas district churches. You know, some people in our North Texas family right now who are doing some good things in missions. You know, I just spoke with the pastor a few weeks ago, and uh, his is a relatively new church, less than 10 years old. They they are growing in their missions vision, and I don't know exactly what their total giving was for 2017, but he told me, he said, I'm believing God that we're going to give $100,000. This is not a huge church. We're going to give $100,000 to missions, and I'll be honest with you, that challenged my faith for him. <laughs> Sure, yeah. You know, but here's what I love about that. They're engaging their people. And mm-hmm. uh, so much of missions is giving God an opportunity, really. Right. It's just providing an opportunity for God to speak to the members of our congregation, those people that call our church home. So that church is doing a great—actually, one of the things that I love happening, we celebrated just recently at a banquet— was the fact that uh, missions is not just around the world, it's across the street as well. And so you have acts of justice and compassion. And I shared about what some churches are doing for the homeless or for inmates, which is, I think, very powerful. Right. And so I think those are good things. And then, of course, we have churches who, as I mentioned earlier, you go deep on a project. And so they're sending teams over to help build a church or plant a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not mentioning names intentionally. Uh, I could, but uh, I don't want to get into the comparison. I'm really just sharing some of these details to, to inspire others. Really, mm-hmm. just find that, that passion, that direction that God is stirring right. in your heart 
and connect that to the Great Commission and then go for it. Right. You know, something really neat that our, our new district youth director, Spencer Speed, say new, he's been in it for about a year, but this is his first youth camp that he's overseeing that is kicking off here in a couple of days. That's right. But one of the cool things he has done to tie the hearts of youth to missions and specific missionaries is that the different teams that kids are broken up into in the youth camp, they are each affiliated with a specific missionary family and a project that they're raising funds for. And I think any way we can personalize this thing, one, the Great Commission cause, and then put a face on it with with a person yeah. and something we're doing for them. That's fantastic, wonderful. really, isn't it? Is. it? That's, it's a great idea. Yeah, it is a great idea. And even at a kids' camp, I know Michelle is doing something to engage the kids in missions at kids' camp as well. There are a few things I would just like to say. First of all, there's a reason that when the Holy Spirit was poured out at the turn of the century and our movement got its start, Mm -hmm. that our founding fathers committed themselves to the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. With that as a focus and really having as a passion, that's really, I think, the background of the reason why per capita, I'm not sure there's another denomination that gives more to missions, to the Great Commission. Right. And part of that is because this is part of the reason we exist. Mm -hmm. So when our kids do BGMC, it's not just about the change or the barrel. We're training them to be mission-minded. And when it comes to youth, speed the light, it's not just about them giving dollars and giving up coffee. That's important, but it's training them so when they're actually adults sitting in our churches – they don't consume everything that God puts in their hands. Right. And so, you know, I think that if we if we can look at, I know you didn't really ask me this question, but if we could look at a holistic approach and uh, what that looks like in our churches, we do need to be intentional about training our kids and our youth and our young adults for some of the very reasons you mentioned earlier, because there's a trend away from some of these things today. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely true. So talk to us about Missions Convention in a Box. This is an endeavor that you've began that I feel can be really uh, helpful for North Texas District churches that either don't have an established way of giving or the idea of an event, a catalytic event in their church. Um, maybe isn't something they've put together in the past or maybe are not sure where to start. Tell us about what you got going. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think a lot of missions is just giving God an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so in pondering all of that, uh, I came across some material and some reading and even a book I read on why some churches are blessed. And and from my personal experience as well, the, the greatest step a church can take to strengthen or to launch a mission's ministry, a healthy one in the church, is to have a missions convention. Mm. What's a missions convention? It's a weekend or a couple of weekends you set aside to focus on the Great Commission, the three and a half billion people who haven't heard the gospel, the unreached people groups that are waiting to hear the gospel for the first time. And I think as pastors, it's our responsibility to bring that before the church mm-hmm. from time to time. Yeah, I don't. You don't have to stand up every Sunday and uh, say it, but if if we never say it, we lose sight of the bigger picture. 
So a mission convention does that. It brings the need of the world down to this level where we understand that in the local church. But sometimes you don't know where to start. How do I have a missions convention? And so uh, we decided to put together a trailer called it Mission Convention in a Box. It has everything you need except the missionary. <laughs> and we couldn't find out a way to package that in the yeah, trailer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to shrink wrap a missionary. <laughs> but uh, everything you need to have a quality missions convention. I think there's 60 flags with flagpoles. There's banners. There's actually posters, hard-mounted posters of our North Texas missionaries. There are easels. You can set that up so your church can see the entire North Texas district missionary family if you set that up in their mm, foyer. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Yes. And uh, there's uh, tables with tablecloths. There are uh, artifacts from different nations that on a table with descriptions so your people can get an idea of what some other cultures. It's just a touch point from another culture. And I think it's it's so important. Actually, we tried to keep it simple. It's very organized. And we're for the first 50 churches, which I don't know how many have actually booked, we had over 25 that said initially, hey, we want, we want to book this. That's great. From the, from the banquet. I was very pleased with right. that. So we want to encourage churches to take advantage of that. And the reality is, is that I'll come and speak that Sunday if you want me to. Mm-hmm. I would love to come and help promote missions. And a church may think, well, you know, we can afford to have a speaker come in. I'll come in at no charge. You don't have to cover anything if that's if that's what it takes. I'll just come in. I just want to help promote missions in the church. But that's okay. I don't have to come in. Just take the mission convention in a box and do it yourself. I think pastors will be surprised how excited people will be uh, because down inside of every believer, we know this is part of what we're supposed to do. That's right. So mission convention in a box. It's a bright, colorful trailer. You can put it out. Let it uh, draw attention from your congregation and people passing by on the street even. And I want to encourage pastors to contact us and book it so they can utilize it. So who do they ask for whenever they they call the North Texas District Office? They ask for Debbie Lewis or the Missions Department, Mm -hmm. and uh, they can send an email to dlewis at northtexas.ag, and uh, we'll make sure that it gets, gets booked and make sure it's ready to go for them to pick up. Pastor Kermit, last 10%, we've been talking about missions, but now just talk to whoever's listening, pastor, missionary, staff member, lead, uh, whatever. Say you're sitting at coffee and you're just going to leave them with some bit of encouragement. What would you like to say to encourage people along the lines of this pastoral care that's so much in your heart? You know, God did not bring you this far to abandon you. Ministry's not for the faint of heart at all. And the battles that you face are common to other pastors and ministers. And I'd just like to tell you that God values who you are. He called you and appointed you for this sacred work. And that even though you may not know what the next step is, you may not know how to develop what's in your heart, God is with you. The Lord Jesus is with you. And he will not fail you, and you will fulfill the call of God upon your life. I wrote just a brief article recently, and it was titled, If You Don't Quit, You Win. (laughs) And let me say it again. If you don't quit, you win. Because that's what the Scripture says. Uh, In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. And so I tell them, don't quit. That's great. 
Pastor Kermit, thank you for being here. And uh, friends, thank you for listening. And so we want to say this again, just wherever you serve in the kingdom, local church or missions, senior leader or staff, uh, you matter to the kingdom and we need each other. So thank you for being part of the North Texas District family as we serve Jesus together. Go out and have a fruitful week.